0: Happy Easter. Welcome to Radius White No. i I'm John, and I'm one of the pastors here. And we probably just did what you were hoping we wouldn't do, make you shake somebody's hand, so sorry about that. Let me pray. Jesus, we're going to read your word. You gave it to us, and uh, we really want you to speak from it. So we pray that your spirit, you would, uh, you would deal with us each individually, and you would deal with us as a group also. That you'd speak, we'd be able to walk out of here and, and feel like we were near you. For some of us, Lord, we've been with you for a long time, and we know you well. And for others, this little Sunday thing at Easter is scary. So pray that you would calm some of those nerves and just uh, make this your time and your time with us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thursday night, I took uh, my baby girl that's now 21. To the movies. She's going to get married in June, so I got to get as many movies in before she goes as possible. I'm not really a movie guy, so that's a stretch, but I am a Mariah guy. So we we, we do a few movies before she goes. So we went to see Superman, Batman opening night. They spent $250 million on that sucker. Some say up to 400000000 million. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It was a C, C-plus at best. All right, that's what it was. So wait for Redbox. It ain't worth it. All right, just go ahead. I'm not one of the Marvel guys, though, so, you know, you may not want to to follow my leadership, but here's what struck me, because I've been reading this passage that I'm about to read out loud to you from John chapter 20, and I'm watching Superman fly all over the place, and all he can do is save people. That's all he can do. People falling out of the buildings and he catching them before they hit the ground. He's saving them from stuff. He's using his eyes of like blast stuff or something like that. All he can do is delay the inevitable. They're going to die. That's what's going to happen. Some of them should have died then. I mean, no offense, but that might have served them well. They're so miserable. Never mind. That's off subject. But anyway, uh, I'm thinking about Jesus and I'm thinking about Superman. I just keep thinking all Superman could do is save you temporarily. That's all he's got. And I'm reading this story about a man named Jesus that can save me permanently, that, that would s- change everything, and he would start my life, and we could put a line on it and put an arrow on it like we used to do in geometry, and we would say there's no end. Did you hear Pete say that a minute ago? He said he was never going to die. <laughs> you you should have walked out right then. Like, who is this rascal up there <laughs> with his new jeans on? Um, <laughs> let me read you something that Jesus said that John recorded so, so think about this for a minute I'm about to read to you a little book in the Bible by a guy named John who was a fisherman in ancient times all right he had no resources and he didn't make any money by writing this as a matter of fact he risked his life they're gonna spend 400 million dollars on Superman and here we are 2,000 years later still reading this story by some little simple fisherman that decided to write down what he saw, his testimony. Let me read to you. This is John chapter eleven. He's speaking. Jesus is speaking to Martha, and he just got this one very simple statement that blows my mind. I couldn't think uh, when uh, when Pete was saying what he said. This it came to my mind even then. I am the resurrection. Jesus speaking. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. What? That's what Pete was talking about. We all know Pete's going to die unless Jesus comes back before he dies. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he has this classic question that he gives to all of us this morning. Do you believe this? That's what Easter's all about. Read to you one more time. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So John, the writer of this book, records this story. he writes it from chapter 1 to the end. And today we're going to jump all the way to chapter 20. And we're going to catch him kind of at the crescendo of his story. It's Sunday morning. It starts off, John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning. So what, what's significant about this particular Sunday morning? Well, the day before Sunday was? Saturday. Yeah, it's a bright crowd. Uh, and the day before that was? Friday. And what happened this particular Friday? Jesus was crucified. So we did a Good Friday service on Friday night. Some A, a bunch of y'all were there. Um, and, and three or four of the guys here shared, and they gave detailed accounts of what happened to jesus on the cross so you got friday night as the lowest of the low moments for the followers of jesus and john captures that we'll catch that later as we go through this book first chapter 20 however it's sunday morning and he wants you to hear what happened on sunday morning here's what it says: early on sunday morning while it was still dark mary magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance you ever wonder how that stone got rolled away Right, because I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if the Son of God rises from the dead, does he need somebody to move the stone? Because in Matthew it says that an angel moved the stone. So why did the angel move the stone? Why didn't Jesus just, you know, this is the Son of God. He could have blown up the mountain. <laughs> that'd have been like, that'd have been cool. Like blown up the mountain and walked out. He could, have, he could have thumped the stone and it could have rolled all the way through Jerusalem. And everybody like, hey, I think I saw that stone when Jesus got buried. He could have done whatever he wanted to. He could have just walked through the stone. He's going to do that later in our story. The angel moved the stone. Max Lucado writes about this in one of his books. And he says what's really interesting is as if the angel moves the stone so that the ladies can see in. Maybe not just the ladies, but maybe the disciples. And maybe not just the disciples, but maybe you. Maybe that stone was rolled away from the angels because Jesus didn't need it to get out. It wasn't like he rose from the dead and now he's stuck. Somebody let me out. (laughs) You know, this don't make any sense. Oh, this crazy brain of mine. Anyway, uh, they rolled it so you could see in. And so you'd have to wrestle with is Jesus really alive? And 2,000 years later, nobody has produced the body. Still to date. Check this out, though. Here's Mary Magdalene. She goes, the stone's removed, and she ran. And, and she saw the stone was moved from the rents, and she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples and the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him, this beautiful young lady. I mean, she, if you know Mary Magdalene's story, it's, it's not one that she'd want you to know, probably, except that she's been redeemed by by jesus now but a lady who was simple probably poor and had a really really rough past she loved jesus she comes to the tomb. i don't know if some of y'all my age but you remember the runner for the united states in the olympics named flojo She had, like, ladies remember her nails. She had some killer nails because they would always show them when she'd get down in a track, stands for the 100 to 200. If you're younger, you need to go YouTube. You can find it. You can see it. You missed it. But that's, like, to be the fastest woman I've ever seen. And she just shot out of a cannon when she sprinted. you can just imagine. Mary Magdalene sees the tomb open. So sometimes we read the Bible. We don't know that she really had to run. She really had to run. And she didn't have on Flo Jo's clothes, like really tight track clothes. She got on the garb of her day. Probably her head's completely covered. And she's running in the dark back to town because she doesn't know what to do. So she runs to town and she finds the two guys that she thinks she should tell. She tells, she tells Peter and, and he refers to himself, uh, John refers to himself anonymously. She goes and finds them and here's how they react. And Peter and the other disciple, John's always taking a low road. He's being anonymous throughout the book and some of that I think is just true humility in this case I think he's trying to hide the fact that he's gonna win the race because because (laughs) first thing I noticed Peter and other disciples started out for the tomb and they were both running but the other disciple (laughs) My name was my name John in case you don't know. So I always loved this story as a kid Just I'm just was that kid um he outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. So it's like this race, they're running. John's probably younger. He's definitely faster. And Peter, for some of y'all, they're a little out of shape in the room. <laughs> you you can love some Peter if you want to. Peter Peter's like, yeah, slow down, bro. And John's gone because they want to see what's happened by the testimony of Mary Magdalene. And they run to the tomb, and John stops at the tomb and says, let me read it to you. And he stooped, and he looked in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter, I can imagine... <gasps> Uh, arrived and went inside i almost picture him tripping over the entrance like falling into the tomb because he's just that's simon peter i feel his pain and while uh it said it simon peter arrived and went inside and he noticed the linen wrappings were lying there jesus has been wrapped and they're still there he he just took he just left everything right there but check check out this next little phrase while the cloth that had covered jesus head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings Then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. It's this pretty cool story right out of the mouth of the writer of this passage. He said, I ran to the tomb as fast as I could. I came to the door and I stalled. I looked in. My buddy Peter, he, he went straight in. So I followed him in and we saw the wrappings. And then when I saw, and I, I don't really don't fully understand how this thing went down. When I saw the linen that covered Jesus' face folded up, I believed. Now, in my house, I cannot conquer the art of putting a t-shirt in the drawer, evidently. All right, so Cyril has this way of folding stuff. Now, it really doesn't make any sense because my way seems just as good, just for the record, since she's way back there. But anyway, she, she claims that it's not. So there's constantly. When I put my stuff in there, she always takes it out and refolds it because it fits better. And she can explain it. And she says it's really easy, but it really is over my head. So there's just this. But if I was at your house and I saw something folded on the dresser uh, somewhere and Cheryl had folded, I could tell you because I've seen it a hundred times. I wonder if that's what happened. I wonder if Jesus knew about i wonder if john knew about what john jesus did how he folded stuff he was meticulous or probably more likely he saw that folded garment and he's like there ain't no robber in the world that folds stuff <laughs> before they steal something <laughs> right when you steal something you're looking for cameras these days like where's the camera let me shoot out the camera because they're gonna see me and then i'm gonna be guilty i'm pulling a mask over my face i don't want to be caught i don't have any extra time he looks at this thing and it's folding it says that john believed And so he writes this down because you got to hear it. He believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that death couldn't hold him. He saw it with his own eyes. He's telling you, I'm an eyewitness. I ran to that tomb. Peter was there too, and I saw it empty. Check out this passage. He says, verse 9, For until then they, they still hadn't understood the Scriptures that said Jesus must... Must rise from the dead. The first 10 is kind of hilarious. And then they went home. <laughs> so you can imagine the two guys like a little overwhelmed and stunned. And, and Peter with his arm catching his breath around John. And they're walking back toward home. And the scriptures are starting to come to life in their head. Perhaps from the Old Testament. Maybe even from what something Jesus has said about rising from the dead. And all starting to connect. And the lights come on. Feel that? They believe the lights came on. Oh, is the lights come on for you yet? If you're my age, you probably got at least 40 of these in on Easter. Because most people in the South, I mean, we're going to miss some. But we're not going to miss on Easter. And we're going to put, I got a new shirt on. Betty would be very proud. Betty Leverance is here today, a friend of mine. from. Betty, this, I knew you would be proud of this shirt. Sure, maybe wear the khakis. But anyway, um, we've done this over and over and over. But do you believe? In the South, we have a bunch of Christian theists, right? Let me explain a the Christian theist. A Christian theist is somebody who believes in the existence of God. We actually, we're actually positive that God exists. Matter of fact, we'd have a bunch of people in Red Bank that would die for the fact that, Jesus, that God exists. They're theists. They believe in a God. But they don't seem to have a relationship with the God that they believe in. So all the time when they refer to God, well, they call him God. Maybe that's you. Well, anytime somebody asks you a question, you always refer to him God. But it's always interesting. The folks that seem to know God seem to use God, the son's name that he was given here on earth, named Jesus. And they talk about talking to Jesus. Jesus. It seems strange, but there's there's this moment where when you believe that the lights come on and it goes from these guys believed in the existence of God before they saw the risen Savior, but now they see see the empty tomb. They haven't actually seen Him yet. They see the empty tomb and they believe. I got a story like that. When I was just a boy, I believed the lights came on. I can remember them coming on. I can remember like like the stuff in the Bible made sense. I. I understood I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior, and the lights came on. I remember at 12, it's like they got brighter. The the switch was on early, but at 12, they got brighter. In college, I had some moments and and some seasons where the the lights just got brighter as I understood more and more who the God of the Bible was and who the risen Savior was, and my relationship got deeper. And at times, I've slipped from God, and they've gotten dimmer, but they just won't go off because it got flipped on, and I cannot... Move away from the fact that I have met the risen Savior. That's my testimony. This is John's testimony. He's a guy just like me. You are a guy or a lady just like me and him. You got a testimony? Because it needs to be told. So he moves from his testimony to uh, Mary's testimony. He moves back to Mary Magdalene. You can imagine, you know, when you hand off the baton, then some of you track guys, then you know you jog around the track to get to the finish line with everybody else. So so they hand a baton to uh, uh, Peter and John. They ran all the way out there, and you can imagine Martha kind of jogging back out because she's tired (laughs) because she already ran all the way into the city. And she gets back to the tomb, and Mary's standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. Check this out. You got to love this, ladies. And she saw two white-robed angels. One sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said, dear woman, why are you crying? This is pretty cool moment where I'm not sure a dear woman would have calmed me down. Like if I saw an angel in a tomb and it was obvious that they were angels. And then when they spoke every man in this room would have took out and gone. Cheryl claims that when she cries sometimes she can't really see good because she's all swollen up. I'm not sure if that's what's going on. But there's Mary Magdalene. She comes to the tomb and she looks in and there's this, there's this crazy event. If you believe that the Bible is true you actually believe that there were some angels in this tomb. And they spoke to a simple lady. Mary replies, "Because they've taken away my Lord." Not beautiful, little phrase. If you hear Benji talk, he'll pray up here and he'll call Jesus. He'll call him Lord Jesus. It's like it's like a like I know him. So I took, she says, I, "They took away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him." I, I, I love this because you can imagine. I don't know how. What size of a lady Mary is, but she's got this plan. I'm going to find the dead body of Jesus, and I'm going to put him in the fireman's carry, and I'm going to carry him somewhere, and I'm going to bury him properly because they stole him. I'm going to get this thing done. She turned to leave, and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. I don't know if he's got a hoodie on, you know, not the hoodies like today. I don't know if his head's kind of covered or she's got a bad angle, or She's been crying or if it's dark or perhaps in a supernatural way, Jesus veiled who he was. Could be any of the above. He says, dear woman, why are you crying? And Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? Playing dumb a little bit. She thought he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. And there's this beautiful verse. It's only got three words in it. For those of y'all need to memorize the verse anytime soon, this is a good one. He says, Mary, Jesus said, I calls her by name. Let me just say this morning, Jesus knows your name. He'll call you by this. It's what's cool in this moment. She turned to him and she cried. She recognized him immediately when he called her name. It reminds me of the good shepherd passage, which is also when John, he says that he's a good shepherd and he knows our name and and the sheep respond when he speaks. It's this it's this beautiful relationship between a shepherd and sheep. And there's this 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 glorious moment where he calls her by name and it's it's intimate and he speaks to her kindly. And he he introduces himself as the risen savior, ladies, to a lady. The very first person to ever see the risen Savior is a lady. Why is that significant? Now, for a couple of reasons. One, it it just speaks, as we talked about last week, how highly Jesus views women. So anytime anyone says something different, that's just any time somebody would say that the bible or the church views women lowly that's it's the absolute opposite in that ancient culture no one would even regard what a lady had to say but here's what's even more interesting if you were going to write down a fake story and try to fool everybody you would never use a woman as a witness like you would never in a court of that day you wouldn't take four or five women as a witness as opposed to taking one man that's how the culture was It was a sexist culture. So if you were going to court to defend yourself and you wanted some testimonies, you would line up the men first. It it argues for the authenticity of this text that this is just how it happened. And John had to write it down. So for some of us that might lean toward being chauvinistic in in the room and you a man, uh, you just cannot harmonize that with the God that you say you worship because that is not how he wrote. It would speak to your ignorance above all else. First witness that really saw him alive is a lady named Mary that he knew by name. And in in Matthew, he actually records as well that the second appearance of Jesus is to the whole group of ladies that made their way out to the tomb. So his first two appearances are to groups of ladies, which is... Is really significant when you think about some of the confusion that we have in our world. But here's what's beautiful. It says, don't cling to me. You can imagine Mary running up and, and jumping and grabbing him and clinging him like, I lost you once. You know how y'all are sometimes. Cheryl do this. When, when you come home and, and your kids are at the house and you've been gone a long time and they run up and they grab you and they squeeze you and they're like, hey, ease up, bro. I'm not going. I'm here. I'm here. And Jesus in some way says, easy now, easy. I imagine this is more significant than Then uh, maybe we read it at first, but it says that she clung to him. Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the father. I'm not gone yet, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. It's this cool moment where he identifies her with himself. As the Son of God, he begins to call her a child of God. It's this beautiful moment where he says, "I haven't ascended yet, but there's also this feeling that everything has changed. The resurrected body of Jesus is so different from the body that he was once walking the earth in. It has this new life, and, and there seems to be this trans, transition that he's trying to explain to her. And he ends her testimony. By saying, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, and I have seen the Lord. And then he gave them, and then she gave them his message. And then John says, let me give you another testimony. If you didn't believe me, if you don't believe Mary Magdalene, let me give you another story. And he gives it to you, just like he gave it to the people of his day. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Exclamation point. Peace be with you. Why you think he says peace be with you? Because he just showed up in a room and the doors were locked, right? So he just you don't know if he came through the ceiling, if he came through the floor, if he came through the wall. I'm not sure how he got in there, but he ain't living exactly how he was before. He bust in the room, he landed. Peace be with you. Easy, easy boys. Easy. Peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. Check out this phrase. And they were filled with the joy when they saw the Lord. So he shows them. He gives them evidence. He pulls up his shirt and shows them his side. And he shows them the wounds in his hands. And and he shows evidence that he was the same Jesus that was hanging on the cross 48 hours ago, Friday night. And here he is on Sunday night. And he wants them to deal with the risen Savior. And how do they deal with it? Joy. That's why we wear these crazy colors on Easter, because we're happy. You wear crazy colors when you're happy. You mean, it's just this, it's a party-like atmosphere, because the, the broken Savior, if that was the whole story, if Jesus' death on the cross was the whole story, there would be no reason to be here and celebrate. And the boys saw him, and they received him with joy. It was on, and there was a party. I'm sure all kind of hugs were exchanged. And, and they were probably talking a mile a minute like we do in, in those kind of moments, and they believed Ten more people can give testimony. Check out what Jesus says as, as he finishes their testimony. And then he breathed on them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. My breath's getting a little nasty. <laughs> that, whole, that whole thing bothers me. Like, he breathed on him. What are you talking about? He breathed on them. What else in the scripture does it say that God breathed? Genesis? When he turned the dust into Adam and Eve? When he made mankind, when he breathed life into a body for the first time, and he breathes on it. What else does it say? It? Second Timothy 3.16. He says that the scripture is God breathed. That there's this authority and power that comes from this simple book that we hold that is unparalleled. It's as if he's breathing life. And check, check out what it says. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Just a few days. At Pentecost, there's going to be this powerful moment where they receive. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. All of a sudden, me and you, regular people, have been given this authority that only God held. Gives us this crazy authority. It's in your hands, this authority to give away the good news, to see the people in our radius transformed because we hold it in our hands. great friend of mine is here today and I'm, I'm about as nervous as I can get when I'm on stage because he's the guy that really uh, formed who I am. Um, he and my father. So uh, Keith's sitting right there in the middle. He's an old guy. You need to talk to him. He'd be like the oldest guy in the building. I don't want you to keep And And uh, his wife Betty Keith was a former school teacher, football coach. I met him when, in my late teens and in the early 20s. And here's what he did he gave me his time. I ate a lot of Betty's food. I assure you, she can cook. You might want to go visit them while they're here. And uh, he gave me this relationship with God. I already knew God. But he, he brightened the lights, as we said earlier. He invited me into his home. I watched his kids rise up. That's why I'm so confident in Benji helping us lead here because I watched him as a kid. And there's this authority that he owns that, man, you can't get without doing time with Jesus. And so I walked into that house, and I took everything that they had. And <laughs> Sometimes he might claim literally. Uh but my, every one of my children benefited from that time. You've benefited. If you've benefited from anything I've said, you've benefited because he took me into his house and he taught me about his Savior. And he showed me through hours and hours of prayer and conversation that this guy changes everything. If you get around him very long, he'll be putting some chairs up or trying to fix your car because he just loves to serve people. i got to watch that over and over and over and so he sets up chairs, whether he has to be here or not. I'm going to tell you why. Because of the resurrection. Not because he's a man and he's proud. I've seen him be proud a couple of times, and he'll tell the story if you let him. Um, he can get grumpy even on occasion. I've seen that. He's just real. But because of the resurrection, he has to leverage his life for the kingdom. So he's here to set up chairs, whether he has to be or not because of jesus who you giving it to who's been at your kitchen table we got to give this sucker away who's seen your family hey you don't have to be some superstar and have it all figured out but it should make your feet move because folks need to know the good news that jesus he's not dead he's alive Check out the verses. Last testimony. I'm about out of time, but let's read about Thomas because Thomas is a, is a fan favorite because most of us identify with him. One of the 12 disciples, he was missing. Thomas was here today. He was like, bro, I wasn't there, man. Eight days ago, I wasn't there. They all saw the risen Savior. I wasn't there. Nicknamed the twin. Just remember, the Bible real. You know, I know if I ask your friends, they could give me your nickname, whatever it is. And you might be embarrassed. I'd love to have it. I'd throw a couple out right now, but they... This is a real book. They're just talking. It's Thomas and John knows him. He's nicknamed the twin. Who knows why? I imagine John might have been chuckling when he wrote that down. Was not with the others when Jesus came and they told him, we've seen the Lord. All right, fellas in the room, you ever had your boys pull like the ultimate hoax on you? Just imagine. Or are you wondering what they were doing when they thought they saw Jesus? That's what Thomas is doing. He's trying to put it together. And he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand in the wound in his side. 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together. At this time, Thomas was with them, and the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, I wonder why they locked the doors. Anybody else? I'm like, remember last time we locked the doors and he came through the roof? Let's do it again. Let's lock it. No, I'm just kidding. This is how I think. I'm weird. Anyway, um. doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And then you can imagine him turning his gaze on to Thomas. And some of y'all are, Thomas. You're the cynic. You just can't get over it. And he says to Thomas, You want some proof? Put your hand in my side. (laughs) <laughs> if your time's like easy, <laughs> I got you, Jesus. I can see. Put your put your finger right here and look at my hand. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. And it's this exclamation point. Believe, believe. Some of y'all in the room are cynics, and I get it. You don't have to look around our room very long to wonder why you question the validity of the scriptures. Because you can look at us. You could just study my life. And you could see that I'm a hypocrite. And every believer in this room is. We're all hypocrites. We're still sinners. We're still struggling. And we fail on a regular basis. And we work and we fight and we try to overcome. So most of us don't want to be hypocrites. But we are. And you might say, like Thomas, I just don't believe because I've seen those people. But Jesus is going to argue against that and say, "How how about do some time with me? And see if you believe in me instead of them. Because the truth is, if you spent much time with some of us that have been changed, you, you, if you could have seen who I was and who I am, and if you could have seen who they were and who they are, you'd be like, that's a different man or that's a different woman. They got a long ways to go, but they're transformed. There's some stories in this room of folks that have believed in just the last few weeks that a few weeks ago didn't know Jesus, and now they do, and you're going to see a transformation over the course of time as they hang out with Jesus. But discount us all you want. But I got to tell you as a critic or a cynic or whatever, give Jesus an opportunity to prove himself. Even today, you might want to just pray something when I wrap up, just real simply. If you're real, show me. John's begging you to believe by his story. And I'm, I'm telling you from my story. I'm doing the same with the exclamation point. I'm begging you. To believe you don't you don't know what you're missing he says believe and then Thomas has this really humble you can imagine him yelling out my Lord and my God and falling down in front of all of his buddies because let me let me explain something for some of the guys in the room that are proud like me when you absolutely when you meet the risen Savior your pride goes away because you're claiming to believe in a man who rose from the dead that's, that's intense and all the stuff that you thought you were all of a sudden goes away and there's a joy that comes it's really hard for me to articulate. It can only be had if you believe. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without. not that kind of a compliment to us today? Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I ain't seen Jesus yet. But I believe. I read the story about him, and, and it was written so that I would believe. Check it out. John actually, he summarizes this whole book. This thing's 21 chapters. It's been passed out all over the world. This Big books been passed out all over the world, the Bible, but often just this little book called John is passed out all over the world. And John says he wrote it for one purpose. Verse 30, disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So, in other words, John says this is just a little bit of the story. And then he tells us why he wrote it. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Why does he say may continue? You're writing to you if you know him. He wants you to review the story over and over to know it inside and out so that you may continue to believe. Because I don't know about you, but I can get distracted as I go on about my day-to-day. He says "So that you may continue to believe that he is Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life in the power of his name. So for some of y'all, there's been no life. You've never believed. It's always been this thing. You believe that God exists, and you kind of got this thing where you go to church every once in a while, show up on Easter, which is cool, great to have you here. But the question is, what you going to do with this story? You got to do something with it. If you're a believer, the first verse I read, I, I read a little verse out of John 11. It says that Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Talk about some peace. (laughs) That's good stuff. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Guess what I'm not afraid of today? Dying. What's the last phrase? Do you believe this? And I want to add a question. What then? Do you believe this? What then? Well, here's what i would say to you as a believer i'm gonna give you a challenge tell your testimony to somebody today seriously like in words out loud be <laughs> like easy bro No, nah, in words out loud just like john wrote down his testimony i gave you a little brief piece of my testimony tell some. tell your kids at the dinner table your testimony how you met jesus I'm not saying that you don't know them if you can't say it today, but I am saying I got a question in my mind. If you can't verbalize, if this is just a private matter, it seems impossible for it to be a private matter. It's a live matter. <laughs> We're talking about a guy who got up out the grave, and we, you're claiming to believe it, but you don't want to tell nobody. It don't make any sense to me. Tell somebody a testimony today. Just like these guys are. If you're a cynic, I hear you. Like I said, when you hear about the risen Jesus, you're like, there's a story. There's a backstory on this. And I, I get you, because I mean, we, we've seen enough CSIs and know that there's going to be some evidence eventually. But, but so far, nobody's produced a body. So here's all I'm asking. Do the work. I'm not daring you. I'm begging you. Do the work to prove that that body still exists in some form or fashion. That somebody's lying along the way. There's a book written by, called Case for Christ. It's by a guy named Lee Strobel. He worked for the Chicago Tribune. His wife met Jesus, and he got so irritated with her that he decided to disprove the resurrection. Guess what happened? 18 months later, while he did all his research, he couldn't do it. So he's a believer now, and he writes books to try to convince you that Jesus is no longer in the grave. And now you've got to do something with it. If you're an emotional doubter, when you were 10, you prayed for your mom who had cancer, and God didn't save her, and so you can't believe. When you were 20, you were at this church, and it was a train wreck, and the pastor had an affair. You can't believe in that God, right? He ain't do exactly what you thought he should, and so you can't do that. Now, here's what, I, 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 As kindly as I can, I'm not discounting the difficulty and the pain of that moment, whatever that moment might have been. But what you're going to do with the resurrected Jesus, is the story true or is it not? If it's true, can you discount it because of your experience? All I'm saying is, please believe. And if you really believe, what then? It probably means that you have to put some time in this book. probably means that you ought to be here on Sundays. Not because we're trying to do something awesome, but just it's a great place to remember Jesus. probably means you ought to grab a small group or find some place where you can hang out with people and talk about It probably means all of that. It means that we give away our stuff. I don't know if you know this. If you haven't been here for a while, or maybe this is your first time, this little group of people right here, flaw but they believe not too long ago there weren't any empty seats in this room but we just sent a bunch of people over to west columbia to start a radius in west columbia you know why because we believe in the risen savior everybody needs to hear the good news about the risen savior so we, we may not like what that means sending our friends down the road but we do it anyway because everybody needs to hear the news about the savior we send them all over the world for that reason certainly gonna send them right down the road And they're meeting right now. Love y'all. Stew on it. Jesus, it's my honor to represent you in front of some friends and tell a story that many of them know. For a bunch of them, this is the most important story in their life. So I pray, Lord, you give them a day of celebration. Give them some courage to tell their story to their family or their friends. I know there's always folks on Easter that uh, only come once in a while, which, dude, I know you, you, you know every one of them, and you know them by name. And I just want to ask, Lord, with the, the ability that I have because I'm your son, I want you to call them by name today. I want you to call them in a way that they cannot deny. I don't want them to be able to walk out of this building without wrestling with whether they're going to reject you calling them by name today. I want them to believe, Lord, so I pray your Holy Spirit would convince them. Lord, there's a bunch of folks in the room that got a what then question. They got to change the way they live because of the resurrection, so we, we pray as a group, I got to change some stuff from the way I live. Give us the freedom to follow you well. We ask for help now in your great name, Jesus. Lord, listen to us as we worship. We... Uh, we're going to sing some songs, and we, we want you to be pleased as we say that you're great with music. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.